for peace and quiet and calm is a nice thing to find in life. So I was recently going through an old box, sorting through some college stuff. Not mine, it was my mom's stuff. What had happened was that my, my larger family, my brother and sister, we had discovered these few couple of boxes from our parents and, and they gave me the job of sorting through all of it. Imagine that, you've, you've all seen my desk, right? Who puts me in charge of a decluttering project? But so it was. And I began to look through all this stuff and, and I found items from when my mom was a student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison from 1936 to 1940. Papers, exams, and then really interesting stuff like this thing she got as a freshman uh, with instructions on how girls should conduct themselves on campus. Smoking or not smoking. The length of your dress. How to handle a blind date. That, that, that whole booklet is a forum unto itself. And then the the, the booklet from her commencement in 1940, June 17th, a Monday. And, and uh, I thought it was interesting what an agricultural state Wisconsin still was at that point, uh, because after letters and sciences and education, the next biggest group of graduates was from the, the School of Agricultural Science. It was such a reminder of the world that my parents lived in. And I thought 1940, June 1940, the, the British just two weeks before had, had retreated from Dunkirk. Churchill was about to make his, his famous, um, this is our finest hour speech. In June 1940, Paris and all of France would fall to the Nazis and in a obscure Polish village uh, the Nazis opened a camp near the small town called Auschwitz. A little peace and quiet and calm is a nice thing, right? I was just thinking that, that my mom, in, in that case, graduated into a world where the Great Depression still hung over everything and World War II was already going and the Pacific and in Europe and in Africa. And many of the people she graduated with, I presume, would end up dying in that war or being forever marked by it. A little peace and quiet and calm is a nice thing, right? So I'm canoeing in a, a place called Gilbert's Lake with my favorite cinematographer, Barb Horner Eibler behind the camera. And uh, Gilbert's Lake is connected by a little channel that we're going through uh, that goes to Big Cedar Lake uh, up near West Bend. And depending on the time of the year in, in the water here, you can see striped bass spawning or maybe a turtle, turtle sunning itself on a rock. Um, almost any time of the year, you can see the heron gliding over the water looking for a meal. It's a beautiful place, peaceful and calm and quiet. In the, in the Bible, the word shalom 
the, the core Hebrew word for peace, uh, is not a passive word. It doesn't really even mean absence of war or calmness of heart so much as it mean, means wholeness of life and spirit. In other words, shalom is something you actively have to choose time and time again. And, and you, you have to be part of, of a, a community effort to make it happen. 1940 to 2020, this year from hell, right? COVID, social unrest, and rightly so, backlash, and uh, arguments over things that have been going on my whole lifetime. And, and because of COVID, social isolation and school and work from home and, and unemployment, it's a difficult, difficult time. But Paris hasn't fallen. And Auschwitz is back to just being a town in, in Poland. In other words, every time has its troubles and challenges. If, if you'd go back another 80 years from 1940, you'd be at what? 1860. Slavery would still be in existence and our civil war would be about to happen. If you went back another 80 years, we'd be in the middle of our revolutionary war and France would be poised for an even bloodier civil war of their own. Peace calm and quiet, it's a nice thing, and, and we should seek it out and appreciate it wherever we can. Our scriptures lived in a difficult world too. It's interesting how both of today's scriptures give you a sense of how you have to seize shalom in life, real, significant, meaningful peace. So in, in the first one from Exodus, uh, the, the, the people of Israel, who are always really a symbol for all of us, we're at some level all God's chosen people, of course. The, the people of Israel, within 40 days, when Moses goes up on the mountain, they, they forget everything. They forget Moses, they forget God, they build the golden calf, and God is wroth. God is very wroth at them. And, and, and God is going to blow them off the face of the earth, and, and Moses prays hard. Moses prays hard and changes the mind of mind of God. Maybe the part of the lesson in that for us is that is that if God can change the divine mind, then maybe sometimes our minds have to change too, right? That's that's what prayer does. It changes the world, but it changes us first. And then in today's gospel lesson, it, it's such a violent and seemingly confusing passage where where Jesus tells this parable of a king who, who orders the slaves to bring all the guests into his son's wedding banquet and they blow it off and he destroys their town and then he sends the slaves back out. I mean, there's nothing good about this story and like pulls people in from the highways and the byways and then there's this one guy who doesn't have the right wedding garment and he gets thrown into outer darkness where people will gnash their teeth forever. Whoa! But see, Jesus... He's talking to us. I mean, the parable is told against the Pharisees and the chief priests. You know, it's a layup, you guys. If, if you won't accept the good news, then it's going to go to everybody else. And, and that's not unique to the chief priests and the scribes. It's unique to all of us in life when we've so owned something. And then uh, 
some good news comes into it that's different than what we've heard and we become very defensive and protective uh, but but Jesus not only knew that happens in life but he also knew that when when the good news is then shared with somebody else who didn't previously have it that there's sometimes a tendency for the the people who are new to it to to overreact to it to gloat about their sudden good favor they're like the guy who doesn't have the proper wedding garment in other words just because you suddenly included doesn't mean that you now gets to exclude the people who came before you there's there's this power in jesus message that that includes everyone and doesn't allow anyone to be left out and that's hard for us because we either hold it to ourselves or we gloat about the people who lost it and jesus says none of that is even close to the kingdom of heaven. So while digging through all of that stuff, I also found a couple of old fishing licenses from my grandfather, Rudy. I never, I never knew Rudy, but I, I'm told that he would launch his wooden rowboat and he'd row out into the lake and maybe to a place like this and he'd cast a line. And I suppose in the late 1930s, if he did that, he would have had some things to worry about. Like his daughter in the big city of Madison, smoking, wearing dresses that weren't the, the right length, maybe going out on blind dates. A little peace and quiet and calm. It's a good thing, right? See, there's probably never going to be a time in your life or mine where that is the definition of the world that surrounds us. And escapism isn't peace. Suppression of differences isn't peace. Gloating isn't peace. You have to make shalom happen. And you and I know how to do that. As, as annoying as all the voices are out there, if, if ours remain silent because we're sick of it or, or disgusted by it, then really important voices won't be heard. And I often think that people who are hurt or quiet, they just don't want to talk. And so one of the most important things about listening is to just be silent sometimes and, and to see the silence as the connection and the healing that it is. A little peace and calm and quiet, you see, is a good thing. It's how you make shalom. But you don't necessarily do it alone or for yourself. So maybe another 80 years from now, Barb, what do you think? A grandchild of ours might be paddling in the same spot. And, and if they do, I hope there'll still be striped bass that are spawning and turtles warming themselves in the sun. And uh, maybe a heron shopping for a little, a little lunch. But should there be such a grandchild someday, I, I hope they will look back on our world, our generation, and, and realize that we were not a people who could not be changed by prayer, who didn't need to gloat, 
but instead knew how to make peace, to listen most of the time, to speak so that good voices are not absent from the conversation. In other words, I hope those grandchildren might look back on us and just say of our whole era, they were people who knew how to get things done.